Welcome to the Metaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 38. succession planning right what do you do when you want to retire when when um mm. had some interesting topics they changed it around and this year they introduced things like not so much just succession planning i'm out right but okay so you break a leg right how do you maintain the store while you're in the hospital right who's who's your key person key person insurance things like that that i think frankly didn't even know existed right i mean there's this thing called a key person insurance where basically if you are out they will pay your employees Right, so you don't have to worry about it, and they can keep the store running. Does that make sense? So, um, so that that's it for me. For me, was the seminars and the networking. Those are the two primary things I get out from going year after year after year. I mean, what did you? The first year you went, what did you get out of it, Wayne? Well, um, I got uh, an affirmation that I was doing a lot of things right. I went to every seminar I could squeeze in, and um, you know. Uh, the suggestions they were making, the, the philosophies they were teaching, like the discounting, for example. Um, it's like to not discount. I don't know if that's the same seminar, but uh, how discounting is, is actually very hard to do. Um, and uh, it's not really the right uh, direction to take your business. Uh, you don't want to be the, the, the shop that's the cheapest, that's and it's it's really really hard to raise your prices, blah blah blah. Anyways, I've I've been a very strong believer in just charging regular price because we're already offering so much value um, in service and offering a play space and and whatnot and being so specialized. And there are other stores that just they discount and they certainly attract a, a certain kind of customer that all they care about is uh, the lowest price and they're not as interested in the community. Um, but using space. Uh, that's too high for product, you know, to decorate it with cool stuff. I, I already did that. Um, you know, I have a bunch of uh, original magic paintings, one of each color, um, framed above my uh, my magic shop stuff. <clears throat> I have a collection of weapons on the wall, um, sculptures, stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, I just, it really uh, made me feel like I was doing things right. Um, it made me feel more confident. Uh, the swag was pretty good. I mean, that was the year they gave up the Thin Fang Foom purple pants uh, for Heroclix. Um, I just recently sold that <laughs> for over over a hundred bucks or something. Um, was the swag any good this year? Um, so the way they do, they they really don't do stuff on the floor any much that much anymore, and I'm kind of glad of that. Um, all right, so if you any of my local customers listening to this, I'm sorry, but it, it's very annoying when we find you in there because we're, we're just trying to do business, right? And, and some of these people aren't motivated by the same reasons we are. They're there because they want to talk to the publisher because they're fanboys or they're there because, oh, they're giving out free stuff. So a lot of that stuff has gone away from the floor intentionally. Now, what they do is they send you a box later. 
and you get to find out what's in the box later. So That's we can't better. speak yet to the. <laughs> it is better. Plus, you know, but for you guys traveling too, right? I mean, you don't want to put this <laughs> in a plane or ship it back, right? So basically, Alliance, uh, which is one of the distributors, uh, ships the boxes out directly. You do a number of seminars, and when you get your punches, basically on your card, right? Because you attended these seminars, because the real okay. big focus with this is education, right? That the. Yeah. Um, they want to drive membership, and in particular, the swag box is there for, and that's not like I can care, I appreciate it, right? But realistically speaking, I don't go there for the box, but it's yeah. a way to offset cost, cost for, sorry, cost for those stores that probably need it the most, right? The ones that are like thinking, hey, can I afford to go? Um, or maybe not the stores that are in a condition to not go, you know what I mean? If you're that to the point of losing it, you're obviously probably doing something wrong. And, um, you know, barring other circumstances, you don't have enough staff, or, you know, your health, whatever. Um, going, the box is there to attract those stores that need it the most, right? If they go, hey, I can get about $1,000 worth of stuff that I can sell for free, then it offsets those costs a little bit. You know, and like John, this year, it was very much the networking was probably bigger than, I think last year I didn't know enough people in the industry so, and I'm socially awkward nerd, so I had a hard time just approaching random people. This year, I kind of knew a lot more people. There were a lot of repeat seminars, which were less useful this year than they were last year because I've heard it. And a lot of the seminars are are aimed more at the newer shops, which is good. Um, and not necessarily, you know, shops that are just three weeks old or one month old or whatnot, but shops that are in their first few years and they're still trying to get something just above the basics. And since I saw so much of that last year, I stepped up my store to that level since then. So there's less there was less information I pulled out of the seminars this year than I pulled out last year. But I've uh, you know, I've talked with lots of different retailers. I've you know, people that I've known online and talked through Facebook and stuff and get to meet them in person. And then we when we do our, you know, smaller private chats and whatnot, we get into more in-depth things. And just being able to get to meet these people and stuff, what we talk about goes beyond where the seminars, you know, picks up where the seminars leave off, especially these other stores that have been here several times. We're all at least to the level that the seminars are at. So then the networking and the meeting people allows me to get even further into it. As well as I have now seen six shops in, out here and you know kind of see how different stores do it kind of get different perspectives Vegas runs different than Portland I went to Portland a month ago I went and looked at all of the shops I could out there and both areas run differently than Colorado so seeing different perspectives you know there's there's a synergy that kind of happens between stores that are close to each other in a way you know the layout in, in Vegas all these stores have all their product along all the walls and the tables in the middle. And Colorado, the back room is the game room and the walls don't have product on them. And, you know, just just little things like that change and you get to see why and what works and what works better and stuff like that. Um, I also got to meet some of the, you know, John had a group of us here. And I got to meet a lot of the publishers too. And I got to get you know, a little bit more in depth with these guys that are pushing their stuff and, you know, they're, they know how to sell their stuff. So they're teaching me highlights. They're teaching me, you know, I learned how to do 
painting better. I learned how to play Drop Zone Commander better and some stuff I'm going to be able to bring back and, you know, micro scale improvements. I'm going to be able to um, push this to my customers better. So. And if, if I may, Wayne, one thing that has changed significantly, um, especially this year, the quality of, of the seminars in general was better, but I think finally we're starting to see um, just an improvement at the bottom level of the industry, which is, I don't want to, sorry, bottom is, is, is a negative term, but um, the, the, the very front lines of um, the industry, which is us, the retailers, yeah. right? I saw a lot less trolling, a lot less pitchforking, um, which is something that really happens. And unfortunately, you know, when you're, when you're a publisher and you're in a room and somebody's heckling you, right? Because you did something that they didn't want, whatever it was, you kickstarted or you um, mm -hmm. you didn't select them for the regional or whatever not. You know, there's a time and place for everything. And, and the way some of those retailers conducted themselves, um, you know, in the seminars was frankly embarrassing. That is mm -hmm. for the most part gone. So I don't think those, we'll call them trolls. Let's just say these trolls. I don't think they're gone. I think they've, I think they've evolved. I mean, I genuinely believe that it's working, right? These people are stepping up their game. They're cleaning their stores. They're, they're, you know, um, I make it a point of going with a tie. Um, and, and, and this happens, I, I get a lot of like, Hey, you're the best dressed person here, but it's, it's what I'm trying to portray, which is, this is a trade show. It's a professional environment, right? Um, so I don't wear a tie work. I wear my polo. Right. Uh, and, uh, but when I go to the trade show, I just step it up a notch. Um, and I'm just happy that this year there wasn't a lot of flip-flops and, you know, um, T-shirts with holes in them, right? So it, <laughs> I think as 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 a as an industry, we're evolving. And, and the Grandma Trade Show is a big part of that, right? It teaches you um, how other people do stuff, and it's, it teaches you to aspire to a better, better you, better store. So in that sense, it's absolutely invaluable, right? Right. Well, I... Sorry, go ahead. The other side of that is, you know, I think that especially from things like Gamma, there's a lot less to pitchfork about this year. You know, last year, um, Justin Zaran got up in the front of the WizKids Hall and it was nothing but, hey, look, you guys got to clean up your act. And instead of doing a presentation on what's coming out, he did a, you know, hour long apology of all the things that they had, that we were in arms about. And he made a bunch of promises. He listened to us. He made those changes this year. None of those same issues are still a problem. And you, I think that that's not, I think that that one's the most extreme example because over the last year, WizKids has done so much to make the retail store the primary, you know, a partner in their business and the primary way that they're making their money and showing us that through their actions. But I think that the industry, you know, the retailers have less to complain about because the publishers and the distributors are listening to us and they're making those changes. And whether it's perfect or not, we see the effort and we see people trying and we see these companies trying to do a better job. Well, and we got that from Makum in here not to, right? So so here's, yeah. here's what usually packs um, – of room at GTS, right? It's either the pitchforking, which is, you know, <laughs> hey, I got a beef with this guy, I got to be at this seminar, or it's the the high profile stuff like, you know, Asmodee North America, sorry, Fantasy Flight Games to the general public, um, about the new Star Wars releases or things like that. But you can expect yeah. those to be fairly bigly attended. Um, and the nice thing was that the, the cool mini or not, and, and 
I happen to know one of the guys that's like one of the majority shareholders, right? They're, they're genuinely trying to put in an effort because the big thing with Coolmini or not, if you guys are not familiar with them, they're a company that fairly heavily uses Kickstarter. He uses Kickstarter for even established games. It's basically one Kickstarter project after the other. But they've listened, right? They're like, look, we get it. This is not a sustainable. This is not something that's benefiting all the tiers of the industry. So we're going to start putting out some games that are you know, direct to the retailers and not kickstart it. They're taking a gamble on it, right? Uh, but they acknowledge that hey, we've come together and told you that it's fine, kickstart, but then when you come try to sell to us, you've eroded some of that base market, right? So mm -hmm. we're a little more hesitant. So I, I've seen a lot more cooperation, right? And I, and I think it starts with, we're professional in presenting the way things are. Hey, these are problems. We'd like to address them. Instead of going, you guys suck, you know, drop F-bomb here or there and walk out of the room, right? Which has happened before, believe it or not. So uh, I'm glad to see that gone, basically. And also understanding that sometimes the problem that you have may not be able to be resolved, right? I mean, if you want something that's going to radically change the way the company works, it, and look, there's good marriages and bad marriages, right? If, if that product doesn't work for you and you want to change that product to a point where it works for you, it may be good for you, but if, it may not be good for whiz kids or wizards or whatever, right? I mean, if I go to... Uh, the VP of sales of Wizards of the Coast and go, look, I think you should do non-collectible format. Okay, you got to get rid of these. He's probably going to laugh at me, right? So, um, so, you know, within reason, there's a lot of things um, that can be done. Wayne, you had something? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I, um, when I did go to the Gamma Trade Show that one time, uh, I didn't get to experience the networking uh, because I went down to Las Vegas with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, any spare time I had, when my seminars were done, I just went back to her and we enjoyed Las Vegas as much as we could. Um, so I think I really missed out on the networking. And um, part of me was feeling, well, I'm all the way from Canada up in Toronto. You know, what's, what's the point of networking with people that uh, aren't close to me or whatever? Like I understand, I understand the value of networking. I just uh, I downplayed it because <laughs> I didn't have the opportunity. I think if I would go again, I would I would go myself and uh, spend as much time as possible networking because I think uh, I missed out on a lot. Um, like, uh, could you maybe share some uh, networking successes you've had over the years? Like some of your big big wins. Sure. So um, j just this year, for example, two things that I just took away and these just happened literally. Um, it, they had nothing. It was we were loitering in the, in the hall and we just got to talking. We're going to be changing our incorporation from an LLC to a C Corp because I haven't talked to Gordon. Gordon is uh, the owner of uh, and forgive me, Gordon, but I don't remember his last name. I, I, um, anyways, he's also um, no, he's the owner of the. That's an, another good, good source of information and knowledge, by all means. No, uh, Board Game Barrister um, is... Lugar? Um, uh, I believe so. Yeah, I don't know 100% as well. But anyways, he, he, by by profession, he trained to be a lawyer, right? So he's giving me all the ins and outs of what a C-Corp is versus an LLC. And it turns out the C-Corp, while it has a higher taxation rate, it's got a much better protection. There are much more established laws for it, right? And plus, what we're trying to do here is we want to start giving some ownerships to the employees, and it works a lot better as a C-Corp than it does an LLC. It, again, I, we were just literally just chatting over a cup of coffee, right? And uh, how's your store going? How's this? And he was like, well, I'm about to change to C-Corp. Why? Et cetera, et cetera. The other one was I spent a lot of time with um, – oh, poop. 
Gary Sproul, I believe is how you say his last name. And he's from um, the Haunted Games Cafe, which is one of the older um, board game cafe kind of concepts. And one of the things we're doing this year, we're moving into a larger store. And, well, I'm Italian and I love coffee. So we're going to put in, you know, coffee and some extra food. Uh, it feels like it's the direction we need to go into. It's invite even the small little stuff because i'm thinking you know hey we need a kitchen at least at these dimensions like no the smaller you make your counter the kitchen the better because you don't want to move around right i don't think about these things i would find out later when i'm using it and i'm going poop now i gotta take 10 more steps to go get the chocolate serpent i need to take three more steps this way to do the right and these are the kind of things that maybe through facebook or social media you can kind of catch on but there's a there's a different sort of synergy. You get so much in such a small amount of time. And to address what you said, Wayne, um, significant others, right? This is a lot of people come here and, and do a vacation, and that's great. Um, I, I think what you will find, what ends up happening is over the years, in your first year, you might just party more than you network, and that that's fine, right? This is Vegas. Um, uh, your second year, you had met a couple of people and now you're partying with those people, right? So for example, a whole bunch of people took out a one of the pot are you guys familiar with what the um the Ferris wheel we have over here is, right? Um, it's a gigantic Ferris wheel that basically each one of the pods is a full service bar, right? And you can rent that and it takes <laughs> Jesus. it takes okay. like it takes like 40 minutes to go through the rotation. So you can have a 40 minute power meeting, et cetera, et cetera, on this Ferris wheel, right? So uh, there are a bunch of them network that way they're still partying right you're still seeing vegas from that gigantic ferris wheel you're having a martini whatever you want to have but mm -hmm. it, it never fails when you got two people that work in the same industry in a room together um it, there will be networking happening there'll be ideas tossed around so you can marry the two you can have fun uh, right it's just literally brutal on the body because I'm, I'm in my 40s <laughs> and <laughs> i've got no sleep this whole week man none whatsoever so um, it definitely takes a younger guy to do some of the things that some of these kids do. <laughs> right? yeah, Funny story. Gary's shop is, I don't know, four miles from my house. It's is closer it? to it's closer to my house than my store is. I I met up with him this year. We talked and hung out a couple times. The last time I met up with him was last year at Gamma. <laughs> there you go. Right. Um, and, and just as a little tidbit, um, next year will be the last year the GTS, the Gamma Trade Show is held here in Vegas. They're moving it to Reno. So that means I get to take a vacation instead of having running the back and forth from the store and stuff like that. But so, yeah, 2018 will be the last year in Vegas. They're moving it to Reno. A number of reasons. Right. Um, Vegas is a it's. One in 10 people come to basic Vegas exclusively to attend the convention. That's the only reason they're here. Um, and uh, so we're GTS is kind of like a small fish in a very large pond, right? And they can negotiate much better deals in Reno. Um, and supposedly the hotel is gorgeous, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, right? Yeah, Reno is great. Um, that just means it's going to be less expensive for everybody, which is awesome. Yeah, the flights will be a little more expensive going into it, but the, the, the hotel in general will be less expensive. And also, you know, all the ancillary stuff, drinks and, and food and stuff like that. Vegas has gotten pretty pricey. I mean, um, you know, unless you get off strip. Um, but but yeah, it's they luxurious, spent, but you pay a price for it. Say what? said they spent $150,000 on the meals that they provided for us sure. this year. And they basically had to exclude half of the attendees from being able to attend these meals. So, I mean, just the an idea of where all our money's going, it's going into all of the stupid little things that you have to provide that Vegas just rips us, rips us off on. Well, so 
will have a better experience by not having to spend that money on those things and being able to put it into creating a better conference. And I don't want to badmouth Vegas. I mean, I live here, but realistically speaking, by the time you get the unions and all that good stuff, the cut, it, it, it's stupid. I've held events here, and uh, I, I'm talking about things like a room at the Venetian will cost, not a, a conference room at the Venetian, fairly large one will cost you 10000 a day, right? And um, it, those are all costs. Now, and to be fair to GTS, they didn't exclude us. It's basically you got. Uh, meal tickets with your badge, right? You could purchase additional ones, but the problem is um, they've just run out of the ability to to do it because really the most of that meal is paid by the sponsors. Does that make sense? Yeah. By Wizards of Coast, by yeah. whatchamacallit. And at a certain point in time, you just run out of meal tickets. It just happens. So, and this well, year that was... Room, that room couldn't have held much more of us anyway. Correct, yeah. And um, it, it, it in this year was interesting because um, the Bally's um, remodeled their kitchen so the kitchen for Bally's was shut down while this was going on. We were having everything trucked mm. in from the Paris next door, right? So the food wasn't very warm. You know, I mean, there are there are a number of issues, but uh, you know, you move on. Again, I'm not there for the food. <laughs> I'm not there for the swag box. You know, I just uh, um, I'm there for networking and getting what I can to improve my business out of it. So, so for me, my costs are probably a lot higher than some of the other stores because this year I really wanted to drive around and see the shops and stuff. Um, so I'm here. I'm still in Vegas. You know, the show ended Friday. The major stuff ended Thursday. So a lot of these shops were able to, you know, they came in on Monday. They left on Thursday. I'm here through the weekend, which weekend rates at the hotel are a lot higher. Um, I also have spent a couple hundred dollars in cab fares getting around the city, ch checking out all the places and stuff. Um, I'm going to be in this just over $2,000 for the trip. And that includes the hotel and the plane and all of the other little things. Um, that does include the food that I've bought while I'm out here. You know, when we go to these networking things, sometimes we end up at cheap places, sometimes not so much. Um, you could do it for half that easily. And, and for us, uh, even though we are here, right, I mean, we have to double staff the store. There's people at the convention, there's people, um, you know, excuse me while I get Archimedes out of the shot here. Um, so um, we do have, um, still, there, there's rising costs, right? I mean, you're staffing the store. We make it a point not to close the store at all. I mean, let's face it, I'm greedy <laughs> and, and I like the sales, right? Um, but um, for some stores, they have to shut down the store. Um, and, and that's a difficult debate, right? I mean, you are losing income. You are potentially putting your customers in the hands of a competitor for that week that you're gone, right? I mean, it runs Monday through Friday, but if you're one of those stores that has magic events just about every night or events every night, right? You're, you're, if you're not there and somebody else isn't there for you, uh, those events are not happening. Um, so there's those hidden costs. But for us, when we, when it was a traveling show, when we were going to like you know places like New Orleans, it really depended on where it was, right? Vegas is a lot cheaper to fly into and stuff like that. But I would say since we send each one of our um, employees, some more like our management staff is there more during seminars and then the trade floor, but we try to make sure that each one of our employees gets a chance on the trade floor. It, it lets them put a face behind, um, you know, the people that make the product. It, um, they do a lot of demos there too. So for me, could care less about the demo, right? Um, I don't need that. Uh, I can learn the game when it shows up or by watching the video or whatever not. Uh, but for these guys, it's a great opportunity to 
do it with the manufacturing, maybe learn how to do a demo, right? Um, so I'd say we easily cost the badges. Where yeah, about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars is a ballpark, even though we're here, right? Of of the the badges, the the extra payroll and and things like that, it ends up being between fifteen hundred and two thousand, I'd say. Um, yeah. That sounds about right. I remember it being around two thousand. Well, we also saw um, some Cirque du, Soleil, Cirque du Soleil shows too. So right. Uh, and, and, you know, there's cost cutting measures. I mean, if you know you're going with somebody else, right, you can share a room kind of situation. If you get somebody, if you're four miles from somebody else, they might decide that, hey, sure, we'll share a room. Uh, not something I would recommend in general, but, you know, if, if you're trying to cut corners, uh, by all means. You might find out that your neighbor, though, is extremely noisy sleeper. <laughs> so. I learned that this week. <laughs> yeah. So, and no, you can't crash at my house. I'll just tell you that in advance. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a big reason for that swag box, right? I mean, you're getting a bunch of stuff free. And again, thank you, publishers. They're the ones donating this stuff, right? Um, then, you know, if you sell that stuff, eventually you'll get your money back. And it balances out a little bit of what, what you're doing to be uh, – how much was it, Travis? They say it's going to be over 1000 but they put a hard number on it. I don't remember. Um, I, I don't think they did. Um you know, last year it was sent in two boxes. I only got one of the two, so I didn't even get the full swag box. And like you said, that's not the value. Yes, it's really nice, especially for those of us that are having travel to offset costs a little bit. But that's not the value of the show. It's mm -hmm. it's a perk of the show. Um, and I think one of the perks we didn't go over, though, I'm really energized. I'm really going, okay, when I get back, I'm changing mm -hmm. this. I'm fixing that. I'm improving this. We're, we're moving forward on that. And I did this with the Comics Pro too, which means I've got a full year and probably two years worth of improvements and changes and additions I want to do for my store. And I think that some even older stores, the stores that have been doing this for a while, I think sometimes you just get into the routine so much yeah. that you forget to have the energy. And you forget to keep making improvements and changes because um, I've heard that from a couple of the stores that have been around forever that showed up this year and haven't been for a while. They're like, yeah, I got to go back. I got to improve these things and I'm really excited. And that's definitely uh, an advantage for older stores. You know, newer stores are figuring out how to do this. Older stores are being re-energized about doing it. Yeah, yeah I, think I can definitely attest to that. That's yeah. That's a great point because I've definitely been through that. John sounds like you have to. You do this for a while. After a while, you're like, "What's the point?" You lose that drive. And then, uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember the Gamma Trade Show inspiring me to go back and made me feel good about what I was doing and uh, gave me a bit more uh, energy to do that. For sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's a grind, right? I mean, it definitely is. I mean, you do this uh, 21 years for me, uh, and and it's not like it's not enjoyable, right? But anything that's done over and over again, after a while, you're like, you're right. What's the point, Wayne? I mean, where are we going? What are we doing, right? But it, but that same token, like that game industry night, right? We we put out a little bit of money. We 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 have people over. We give them some food. We but in general, it's it, it's good to get because I'm very critical on my store i always see the dust bunny that didn't get caught or that board game that's not in the right section right but having people in the store and they're telling you wow i like how you do this and you know hey yeah i'm gonna go back and copy this is that okay you know it, it sort of gives you that like 
oh, okay, maybe I'm doing some things wrong. And you touched on this to begin, right? It's, it, there is a lot of reaffirmation of the things you're doing, right? There will be some like, mm, yeah, you're right. I'm doing this wrong, right? I mean, uh, touching on that discounting, if you are a newer store, well, you know, that's a great, I'm going to come into the market. I'm going to win because I'm going to be cheaper than everybody else. Uh, you're going to quickly learn that that's a great way to go out of business. So by all means, discount yeah. more, right? Um, and, and so those are well, things I mean, that you learn. I to touch on that point. Um, I think in order to come into the game discounting, you need a hell of a cash flow behind you. You have to have a lot of money. Like you got to right. go into this with hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're going to be a discounter. But the lesson there is why. I mean, why are you going to put in all this time, effort, and and, and energy? Um, give your life away because you're not you're not moving into a career that's going to buy or fry. So, you're right. If you want to make a million dollars in this strategy, start start with two. That I, I don't want to do that, right? Um, <laughs> and these are the kind of lessons learned over there. And and, and a lot of it, he, if in case you start falling behind. And you go, well, so-and-so opened up two miles for me. I'm just going to start discounting. A GTS is a, <laughs> is a good way to reinvigorate. And no, you know what? I'm probably going to clean the bathrooms. That's, that's why people stop coming. Or, you know, I need to get a kick in the rear with my events. You know, I need to do a board game league. I need to, you know, these are all things that kind of put the fire behind your butt, you know, and kind of make you go, well, okay. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. And we can definitely, you know, get a lot of energy off other people. And, and I'm going to go back to the struggling store. If you're that struggling store, if you have to close down for a week, close down for a week, but really try to make it because it's especially when you're struggling, right? That's when you get in that horrible, horrible slump of like, man, nothing I do works, you know, I suck, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's, it's easy to fall in that sort of depressive trap. I think you wrote an article on this, didn't you, Thomas, on the nihilism, right? It, it, it's It's hard. It's. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. It is difficult. Um, but um, when you have a team of people behind you pushing you forward, going, dude, you can do this, right? I, I looked at your store. I think you got good potential. You know, you can do this. Small minor tweaks, and and then it actually turns into work, and then it turns into results. It's those results that really drive you forward. And the next year, you're, there's a good possibility by the time you get to, you know, 11 months later, you're kind of like, man, I'm feeling that pressure again, and that GTS coming up kind of reinvigorates you. Uh, not a, not a GTS, um, uh, but in general, yeah. Um, and and I really appreciate. It. Like we were just so this is a rather brutal week. We just got off GTS, and then we're 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 helping out with a convention, we're vending a convention called MeepleCon. It's happening Friday through the Sunday, right? So um, I kind of went in yesterday, so I have no days off this week. But uh, I went in yesterday to relieve one of the guys at the convention, and all the customers that were there just made it a point to talk to me for five minutes, right? Because we're seeing an explosion of stores, and everybody came up to me going, you know. Yeah, so and so open up, but I really like your store because this, 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 and this, right? So it, it does help. So, yeah, if you guys really like a store, just let us know because I don't know about everybody else, but I always see not the negatives, but like the things that can be fixed, right? So for me, it's an upward struggle of like, I'm not where I want to be. I will never be where I want to be, right? Because I'm always trying to improve. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, good reinforcements from the customers. And yes, we do get it. So we appreciate it. Yeah. I we I get a lot of uh, feedback uh, through emails. I just revised my website with a uh, a page, a contact page. That's it's like one of those self-filling forms where you just have to type in 
you know, what you want to say and send it and automatically emails to me, um, which has actually increased the amount of emails I've been getting. Uh, joining Google Plus, I've been getting tons of feedback like that. Um, uh, not Yelp so much, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, the majority of the feedback we get is is online through emails or through um, customer reviews on places like Google Plus. And then once in a while, you, you know, you do have someone that comes in the store and they say they love it and like. One of the my favorite instances was this guy came in. He loved the store so much. He ended up he was this uh, he was a guy who made short films. Um, this is what he did. He did promotional films for companies. And he's like, I want to make a film about your shop. I really like your shop. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then we set up a date. And he um, he spent some time with me, two hours uh, filming. And um, a couple months later, he was like, here you go. Here's this little film I made about you and your store. And uh, it was great. It was really professionally done. He didn't ask for any money or anything. He just wanted to do it out of uh, his own passion for what he does. And uh, I threw it up on my website. And because of that video, I'm getting new customers because they're seeing this video about my store. And they're like, well, that's a cool looking store. I really like the store. And they're coming in and they're actually telling me that, uh, yeah, I came in because of that video I saw. So um, that's one, uh, that's probably my favorite example. Yeah, people like find to know out what your place looks like for sure. Sorry. Um, that was no, no, you're fine. Um, that was another thing. Like, just literally. So the the Friday uh, tends to be sort of a ghost house in there, right? At GTS. Uh, but um, the nice thing about that ghost house syndrome is what ends up happening is the seminars tend to get like canceled because there's not enough people in the seminar. But what we all do is we all pile into one big room and it's just a Q&A session. And there's a lot going on in that room during that time, right? Um, so th that's probably going to go away. They're going to push more seminars to Monday and eliminate Friday so we can get back to our stores and take care of the weekend, right? Um, but um, as an idea of what, what happens there, um, the legal counsel for Gamma, for the Game Manufacturers Association, happened to be in the room. And uh, I have now a point of contact that he's like, I can't be a lawyer, but I can put you in the right direction for when I'm, because I don't know these things. Like, hey, if I want to do employee stock options, where do I go, right? I mean, I, do I talk to uh, my accountant? Do I talk to a lawyer? Which type of lawyer, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, I can send you that information, right? And then it was just, he was in the room and he was, talking about things with the Q&A, and it just happened to be that I'm like, hey, I need a lawyer, right? I need, not, not so much, like, we do have a lawyer for us, but he only handles business law, right? Um, so he doesn't do a lot of the other things that sometimes we need to do, so. And that's that's something, that's an area I probably feel a bit excluded from uh, coming from Canada because your laws are different than ours. Sure. Uh, unless they had, you know, some guests from Canada, but I don't think they would bring someone in for such a, such a small market because I think they are mostly... Um, you, uh, businesses. These are mostly stores um, from the United States. Although I'm curious to uh, to know just how many international uh, stores come to Gamma. You know, it's it's. I think it's growing, and it's a it's a it's sort of not a growing. I won't call it concern, but something that they need to address because a lot of these programs, right? They they present the Asmo play. Oh, not in Canada. Oh, just in the U.S., right? So I do hear that. Hey, when you're gonna get this? Uh, I'm seeing more than I have, um, and I don't know if like transportation's gotten cheaper or stores have gotten richer and they're able to you know come from further away. But there's also people from South America, for example, that I've run into. Some from Japan and uh, Bangkok, I think. Yeah, um, there was. 
Bangkok Cafe or something was there. So there, there, there is international, but you're right. Um, I do feel there might be a certain point in time where GTS becomes like a global show and, and things will have to change somewhat because it's definitely U.S. centric, right? Um, um, it is very much so. There. I'm, I'm, there must be other uh, gamma trade show style conventions like in the U.K., for example, I would imagine. I've Possibly, yeah. A lot of people from Britain here. Uh, both the, both the manufacturer and the um, retail side, I've met quite a few. Right, and and it should actually point, be pointed out that basically this is the only industry trade show, right? And there's only one, and it's this one. There was another tried a, a couple yeah. of years ago; they didn't do so well. And anyways, it was one year, and that was it. So um, there are, however, for those of you that can't travel. Um, there are a lot of distributor open houses, which are starting to function in a lot of ways like a mini GTS. And both Origins and Gen Con are not having trade days, which usually happen a day or two before the actual convention. So mm. think of them as, a, they're not as big as GTS, right? But they are um, probably for some people easier to get to because if you go to the Alliance open house, it's in California, right? Um, well, they might be moving it but you know if you go to ACD it's in Wisconsin so I, mean, I don't know if that's closer to to some people in Canada for example so there are there are alternatives just unfortunately only one trade show at this point and do I think the industry can support two right now probably not I think distributors do a good job with with the open houses to accommodate some of this other kind of overflow or people that are not able to travel such long distances or etc <laughs> They don't. So there's a lot of debate going back and forth because the, 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 it's a value proposition. If my content is available online, well, great. Um, so the membership itself doesn't really pay for much. Does that make sense? Into the Game, the Game Manufacturers Association. So really the show is a big driving force to get people to come to the show. So if you start putting all the seminars, all that stuff online, then why would you come to the show, right? Um, and and you know, I've also argued, like, look, I don't need a trade floor, right? I don't need this, all these beautiful booths. That I'm just happy sitting in a room and conferencing with people, right? Uh, but the reality is that trade show, that trade floor, pays for a big bulk of the, the discounts on the hotel rooms, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's just kind of like Bally's is not just going to rent you a conference room. It's going to cost you a bajillion bucks versus, like, having that huge space means that, in general, you can negotiate it a little bit better. But a lot of the funding for that comes from the publishers, and the value for them is to be able to network and talk to the retailers or to themselves, right? So if you take that away and it's just an online thing, then I would say the show would probably disintegrate. So um, And for a while there, they were um, – recording some of these shows and and now i can't remember what the name of that podcast was um i'll have to send it to you when i get it thomas so you can put it in the footnotes if you want um but uh, in that sort of ceased now there's some talk about putting like snippets of them as a teaser right does that make sense so people can see oh wow i really liked this five minutes of the presentation and next year i want to go for the full hour so right right yeah and then it's something that we can bring to the board to go so and, and it's interesting because there's also um, sort of how the bylaws are written. You can't do um, so. You are buying a membership to the game, the game manufacturers association, right? You happen to get a the ticket to Origins and GTS is a perk of being a Gamma member, right? So they can't discount the the mem the the entry into the show because you have to pay that membership. 
and you're getting these. It's the way the bylaws are set up. Will they ever change that? I don't know. But there's, it's more than just because one of the proposals is like, hey, you know, it's amazing to me every year there's this huge gigantic line for people registering at the door. And in this day and age with the internet, right, I don't understand what that is. So one idea was what if you offer a discount if you pre-register and they can't do that. It's a membership into the organization, which is a set cost. And the perk is you get a free ticket to go to GTS. So. That one they just needed to let people know. Like I just pulled up the email they sent me on my cell phone and scanned my cell phone at the quick line. It took three seconds while everybody was staying there in line because you, I registered on my phone as I walked up to it, scanned it, and grabbed my tickets. And it's just something that everybody had the technology to do and nobody took the time to do. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, having talked to a couple of retailers over the years. Uh, the problem is we're also a very mixed bag, right? Um, there are some retailers that still tell me, hey, I don't own a computer to run the store or whatever. And that's fine. I understand it. Or there was a gentleman in one of the seminars going, uh, well, I don't have those that information you're looking for, but you know, email me and I will send it to you. That's what the presenter said. And the gentleman said, "Well, I don't have email, and I'm I'm not sure how you operate your store that way." But you know, there's mixed bags, and so I, I don't know. So that might be a good on top market market the Amish country. You know, you'll sell wood games and there you go. Um, but that's also brings up another thing when you come here. And you get to see how other stores do it. When you do start falling behind, there's because really, if you're not running with email, you're behind. And you get to see how much of a consequence that can be. You get to talk with other stores, and you get to see how efficient and and more productive and more, you know, successful you get to be by embracing all these technologies. You know, the big one that they pushed was point of sale system. Um, so many stores are running without point of sale system. John, I went to one of your competitors who didn't even have a, a card swipe. He had just his cell phone that he's, you know, typing in SKUs on his cell phone. It took him 15 minutes to check somebody out. And it's just like, you know, where, what are you doing here? Like you have limited your number of customers that can actually purchase something from you to six an hour at most. And, so being able to get to these conferences and seeing these people that are doing well and you're like, well, what are you doing that I'm not? And if step one is, well, I have a, the computer that I can actually communicate with the 21st century with, you know, or the big one, like I said, the point of sale system that tracks my inventory, that tells me how long the dead product's been on my, my shelf, that helps me place reorders, helps me determine if this is a product that... I see moving all the time, but it's just because I'm the one pushing it, or if it's actually moving all the time and my employees are selling it too, you know, what things should I be actually spending money to, to restock and which things can I let go to make room for something better? And so you get to see just how much better all of this stuff is. Well, and it's also a matter of education. You know, a lot of people might think this is too expensive, but I mean, nowadays, you can get a free square reader, right? I mean, it's fine. If you're still going to use your phone, that's fine. But you can still use a square reader, which is free, and just swipe that card. Don't type it by hand, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, we're different. 
<laughs> we're, we're all a little different, but there's a lot to be learned by like, maybe this is not as hard as you think to implement. Maybe this is, or it is important, right? It's something that is actually important to your business. You might not think about it, but there's a reason why person B didn't show up in your store. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty spoiled. I don't go anywhere where they don't take credit cards, right? I just don't. Uh, this whole cash only, I don't carry cash anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, It's a lot easier at the end of the year to track everything through a credit card. So uh, yeah, I, I, there's a couple of donut shops here in town that are awesome. I don't go there because they don't take a card, right? Well, and he was taking the card, but you know, he didn't have barcode scanners. So he's typing in this thing. He's sure. using the square thing, but you know, somebody type, he's got to type in this 12 oh, the actual skew, the, the actual item itself. I understand. Okay, sorry. That's interesting. I don't have a point of sale system, and that might be unusual for somebody that's been in business for 12 years, but uh, I've always been wary of locking into a software that I would have to, um, like from our understanding, you know, it's thousands of dollars to start, uh, at least here in Canada, and then um, you have this monthly subscription and you're locked in and, and like as long as you want to use the software and and you have to if you want to keep using it for your store you have to keep paying them and uh, i've always been a bit shy to, to committing to a company like that um uh, because I, I don't like the idea of being idea of being locked in and and you know i've i've uh <laughs> our store is kind of old school we're brick and mortar we don't do online sales our website is just all about us and the games we we sell and um, the events that we run, most importantly, um, uh, and uh, it, it sort of gives us a unique presence in the largest city in, in Canada, that we are old school brick and mortar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I just use Excel spreadsheets for my inventory. Um, I literally have sales binders where instead of scanning a code, um, we just flip to like the board game section and write the title of the board game. And then afterwards, I'll update my uh, Excel uh, inventory, and uh, that's been working fine for me. And and I'm having trouble seeing uh, the benefits of going to a POS POS system, um, just because I mean the same errors I could make uh, by doing this manually, um, they could be just as easily made with a POS system, and uh, and I think. It would be harder to actually track the mistakes you make in the POS system, you know, by by scanning a barcode twice by accident, by you know scanning something and then they didn't want it, so you have to put it back into your system, and you know, and, and employees might forget or whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe I just uh, need to, to take the dive. I don't know. I, I guess I just need to be convinced that POS system. So, so two things. One, yeah. Wayne, they actually had a track there on choosing a POS system, right? And uh, two, uh, any, anytime you want to talk about it, or actually, Thomas, maybe we should have one of these on, on POS systems. Um, there's there's options. You don't have to go to subscription model. You can pay for a one-time kind of thing. Matter of fact, um, things like Square, you have free options. You have free, they, you're, you're getting a free POS for using their services. That makes sense. So, but anyways, um, I, yeah, I think this would be an excellent topic <laughs> to, to, to do something on. Mine was a one-time upfront cost. Um, so I'm not locked in subscription, but it does so much for me. It would, it probably saves me uh, at this point about five hours a week, maybe six hours a week mm -hmm. of my personal time. 
um, and that's not counting what things I'd have to move to an employee. So, yeah. But anyways, back to GTS. <laughs> it was um, they they are, and it's and it's something that we are actually after talking to them, considering we don't we we moved away from being just a single store a long time ago, and it is definitely. I wouldn't call it a weakness, but we do. We're trying to simplify the method right now. You get to have an employee do your buy list, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that TCG Player offers is a way to sort of do some aggregates and things like that, right? And then third-party selling. So works in a similar way that you would sell on eBay or on, or on Amazon, right? Um, where you basically, what's interesting is they'll fulfill the, your order from their inventory and then you ship them the cards to them, right? So instead of doing 500 shipments to 500 different people, you're putting all your stuff that you sold that week into a box and sending one shipment to them because they've already filled it out of their inventory and you're replacing their inventory basically. So I don't know all the nitty gritty, but yeah, it's it was worth attending definitely. Um, can you get that information off their website? Probably, I would guess so. Was a lot more entertaining to get the presentation there. Yeah, they did a really good professional job of presenting it, and they got me convinced to try it. So, personal, personally, not that interested. I'm not, again, I use it, singles as a service, and and I know Wayne's a lot more involved with singles and a lot of the stores that make a living on singles, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. We use it mostly as a service for our customers that want to trading their magic cards to buy more magic cards or a board game or something like that you know uh, it's not a point of focus so i probably won't use it much but i would imagine it's a good source of singles for if you're moving a lot of singles to replenish your inventory i would guess i don't know they convinced me i can i want to look at getting enough volume to be tcg direct just so i can have that buy list and have another way to get singles in the store again singles for me is the service to the customer in a lot of ways. My inventory is always short on all the big pieces though, which means I'm not doing much good for anybody. So I might start moving a little bit more on TCG player just so I can get that their direct status, just so I can get the buy list and bring in more stuff. So I'm for those of you when we were talking about the buy list is basically another acquisition method, right? You're able to basically um, purchase singles through TCG Player for your inventory in your store, basically. Correct. Yeah, they're FBA, right? Fulfillment by Amazon, fulfillment through TCG Player. So, yeah, and it, and it could be a boon for those. Like, I don't know, Travis, you're in Colorado. I forgot where exactly. Uh, Greeley. Okay, so I don't know the population, but like it could be a, a problem for stores that don't have a large magic community bringing them cards to buy, right? Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to do that, even if you're selling on eBay, if you don't have a way to acquire those cards, right? Um, short of your busting open sets, I get that, but you're not going to bust open a legacy set, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, yeah we're under 100,000 people, so there is there's a limit to what comes in. Right. And Wayne, you're you're a magic hub in your area, right? Well, I mean, we're not. Uh, I guess we're one of the bigger players, but um, we're certainly not on the same scale as uh, 401 games or face-to-face -face games, who are two titans in the city, and they're uh, they're competing, uh, you know, a lot with each other. And uh, you know they're they're buying their their buy list prices are sixty to seventy five percent cash for their cards right now, and I've sort of uh, taken a step back and concentrated on the casual magic uh, sure. community and market um, because those two are just you know 
they're they're competing so much that it's not really worth me to to fight to get in there in that market. So, yeah. But and we don't rely on magic at all. Like uh, I I think the what gives us the most money right now is Warhammer 40k because we uh, we trade in used Warhammer. I basically had this idea at one point where, like, I'm like, why do we just trade in Magic cards, you know? And so sure. I started trading in board games, Warhammer. Anyways, the Warhammer 40K turned out to be uh, a, a, a big hit because um, people will trade it in cheap, uh, which allows us to sell it cheap. And then people are coming in every week to see what's new in the bins, all the used stuff, and what can they buy half price used. Um, and, uh, and I guess I'm kind of going off topic a bit getting into diversification, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not Wait, all about the magic though, for sure. One of the seminars was all about product diversification <laughs> when my, my logistic manager said he got a lot out of it, right? I mean, you don't think about this, but when you go down to GTS, you hear that this guy's making, you know, fifty to $70,000 on, uh, they don't like it called Frisbee golf, but I don't know what the official name of it is, right? But you get it. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, this golf, it's just called this golf, this, this yeah. golf, right? I mean, I, not sub right now with the store being three thousand square feet. There's no way I'm sticking another line in the store. But when you move to the new store, it's like okay, what do we fill it with, right? And and these are all great ideas. Uh, again, uh, it's something that they look at, and you can get it through networking. You can get it through the seminar, right? Uh, but uh, there's something unique about the way stores interact at GTS. Um, we are all competitors, right? I mean, one way to, especially with the internet, theoretically I can reach into Wayne's backyard and sell stuff there, right? Wayne's doing a good job, so I probably won't get a customer there. But when we get there, we're sort of a little more open. We talk about stuff, you know, actual sales figures are still a big stickler point for people. And it's, a, I, I sort of get it, right? I mean, I came from a store that was eh, 300 square feet. And what I did there to what I do here are considerably different uh, so it can be soul crushing when you go well, i make x and that person's making half of x a quarter of x but the reality in the end is it's quality of life right and that's what they discuss at gts too right you don't if you're pulling in forty thousand and you're putting in you're happy great if you're pulling in 10 and you're happy great if you make two billion dollars a year and you're unhappy you need to change something right i mean whatever you're doing that's making you all that money is making you miserable um so again you get this by listening to people that go, yeah, I make this much, but I don't work. I'm in the Bahamas. The manager takes care of it, right? One day I'll get to that. But it's good to hear that there are some successful people. Um, there are some people that are successful making far less than what you are making gross sales. And it's, it's we're all different. There's all good ways to run these businesses. They're different, um, you know, so go. That's a longer conversation than I think we want to get into because uh, – there are so many stores that sell games and we could argue about every iteration from is Target a game store to, you know, is the clubhouse a game store and why or why not on every one. Yeah, I, just touching on things, I usually differentiate between um, a, a store and a clubhouse. Those are usually my two big kind of start off right off the bat. Whether they're a game store or not, um, yeah, that that's probably something that we might want to get into detail about. But even like the definition between what's a clubhouse and whatnot. And so in general, I tend to frown upon clubhouses because a lot of them are not well maintained. And, and when 
the mundane steps into a clubhouse, they might get the wrong vibe and never step into a game store ever again, right? But back to that, like, what is your threshold? What do you want out of it? Some of these people, they just want a place to hang out uh, and buy their stuff at wholesale, okay? Um, good for them, maybe not so good for the industry, right? But uh, there's still an entity that exists within our industry and we have to deal with it one way or the other kind of situation. So. Um, those guys definitely need to go to GTS. <laughs> so, I'm gonna say, those guys are my friend. You need to go and, and get so because it's that sort of fence sitting. Are you? Is this a job? Are you working right? Or is this something that you do? Um, I I recently posted on the Facebook group a, a sign for a store that's open a total of 14 hours in a week. Right. That to me that's not a store. Right. Um, but it exists. It's there, right? Maybe it's a person that has a full-time job or has inherited a, some crazy amount of money, and he's just there to receive the order so he can get his toys. And if there happens to be a customer, great, right? Um, those are the people I'd like to see attend GTS to kind of go, well, I need to get out or step up my game. One of those two things, you know? So. You know, I think that right off the bat, you're talking about a club versus a store. I mean, is it open to the public? You have to pay a membership fee. That's not a game store. Um, you should be open to the public. Anybody should be able to walk into your doors, uh, be greeted warmly if you're really a friendly neighborhood, a local game store. You know, you have to be accountable to your customers. Um, whether you have a game room or not, um, I, I think a game room, a dedicated game space, uh, definitely makes a, a, a local game store uh, a better local game store. I think. Um, that means they're more invested in the community and um, they become more of a destination. Uh, it's, you know, a, a game store, I, you know, a game store without a game area. Um, it's, it's hard to even think of an example in Toronto um, of a game store without a game area that would be considered a local game store, a friendly local game store. So I do believe the, the game room, the dedicated game space is an important, uh, might not be necessary, but it's, it's certainly really important. Uh, sure. And one of the things that we talked a lot about the show with other retailers too was this idea of third space, right? People go to work, people go home, and then there's us. We're that third space. They're, they're one of those three places eats up about you know 25% of their life. You know what I mean? Um, so it's important... Yes. Is it mandatory? No, you're right. And there there are some examples of stores that are just, look, I'm just here to sell you stuff. How is that different than, say, Target or Walmart? Because oh, even Barnes & Noble is going to start doing some type of game demonstrations now. It's uh, something that they're going to beta test and we'll see where it goes. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I try to keep an open mind. And, and, and understand that everybody's different. So when I'm talking to somebody at GTS, I'm curious to know how does your store work, right? How does it work? Um, how are you, okay, great. So maybe there is a possibility of opening up a mall store that's 1,300 square feet and all it's doing is it's got one little demo table, right? And that if that, and they're just putting out, not my model, not how I would wanna do it, but maybe if I wanna open up a second store, that's what it looks like, you know what I mean? I have an event center. Do I need another event center, you know, across the city? Yeah. So, um, but again, these are things that tend to be this, just like we're doing here, tend to be discussed at length um, at GTS and in, in, inside and outside of the seminar rooms, right? And I wonder what product mix you can or should have to be still a game store. You know, I brought up Target. Target sells games. 
it's it's what two percent of their business one percent of their business i see though some comic stores there are comics and collectibles with a little bit of games and games may make up 20 percent of what they do but they're the, the rest of their product is related so is that a game store i mean obviously it's a comic and game store if it's a game store but is it a comic store with games or is it a comic and game store and it's, that's a question that I, you know, obviously it's going to be a personal definition for everybody, but I see some stores getting away from games in ways that I, when I hear them talk on the forums, I go, you're not a game store. Mm-hmm. You used to be a game store. You're still a retail store. You still have a game space and you still carry games, but your business model and what you're focusing on and your product mix is not a game store. It is whatever other store. And so somewhere in my mind, they've switched over. And somewhere in their mind, they have not. Right. And that might be, more importantly, in the customer's mind. If uh, I get this a lot, um, so we just Mm -hmm. do games, right? Um, No disrespect to the comic book store. As a matter of fact, one of the things, one of the talks of uh, GTS this year was to perhaps incorporate more comic people into this because there's a lot of hybrid stores now. They do comics and they do games. Nothing wrong with it. But to me... I am a game store. You're not going to find comics. So when somebody stumbles into my store and is looking for comics, you mean, what do you mean you don't do comics? I don't. But I don't want to give the impression that I do comics. If you stumbled in my store, it's one thing. If you came to my store, it's because specifically something I said or some advertisement I did makes you think that I'm a comic book store. I failed at my job, and I've disappointed a customer. So that might be a challenge for these stores who think they're a game store but are truly not because we do get customers coming. I come to you because you're a game store. I go to so-and-so because – they're a comic store, and I never buy my games there because there's like a shelf this big, you know, and that's it. Uh, so, yeah, I can see where that's a problem. But I, I think the problem really lies with if you're deceiving your customers, not intentionally, but you're deceiving them, you're, de- mm-hmm. you're doing yourself a, a disservice. If you call yourself a comic store, great, awesome, because you're doing comics. You know, comics and games I see a lot, you know what I mean? But if you start going, I'm a game store, and you have a box of magic on the shelf, yeah, that's probably not going to do you a lot of good. My Uber driver thought, you know, maybe magic tricks, pull a rabbit out of a hat, and, you know. <laughs> yep, we get a lot of that. The new store is going to have a shelf of the other magic because <laughs> I hate to disappoint the kids come in here and they're all like, oh, mom, drove me down to get a rabbit in the hat trick. And I'm like, and I don't do those tricks. I'm sorry. And then their soul is crushed. Then <laughs> they walk out. And, uh, so we're going to have starter magic sets, not because I want to, but because, yes, little shop of magic here in Vegas. A lot of people think that I sell magic tricks. That happens a lot, yeah. Yeah, a lot. And that's yeah, another hybrid store that pops up a lot, and I've seen several of them in Vegas where mm-hmm. it's board games and video games. So, yeah. um, Believe it or not, the like I know at least one store here in town that drives the singles primarily as a way to get used video games because that's really his moneymaker, right? Uh, but for him, hey, if I can give you this magic card instead of giving you cash for those boxes of video games you're going to give me awesome you know what i mean so um and he is a game store i mean he is is a game store he's just how much is he our type of game and how much is he video game i would say that's open to debate but you know it's still a game store right i mean um and matter of fact every year here we have an award for best game store and it's always video games, right? Nobody for for the, the the local newspaper puts it on, and it's you never see one of our stores. People don't think in that term when they think game store, I guess. So. 
yeah, it's not quite mainstream enough. And if any kind of game store gets recognition, it's probably going to be a board game cafe, which, again, is that really a, a game store? <laughs> it, it depends, right? Is your model really the games are there to drive your coffee sales? Because that is a model, by all means, right? Mm -hmm. The games are just a reason for you to stick around and buy an extra cup of coffee, right? Um, and you can see a different attitude, right? It's like in busy times, we might ask you to wrap up your game and leave. They're interested in getting another table to sell coffee. You're not buying enough coffee, right? Um, and that makes sense to me. Um, and for me, the, the the addition of coffee is going to be my customers are in here day in and day out. They want to drink something. So great, awesome. If they want to have something good to drink, I don't want to send them somewhere else. It's here, you know. So, you know, one thing that we're talking about what makes all of these stores game stores or not. None of these models are bad. I mean, okay, maybe the clubhouse model has has more down thing um, up, but if you're a coffee shop that happens to have games, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's just different from what we're we're all doing. Yeah, and in the lines as we become a little more mainstream, right? Um, geek is chic right now. Um, the lines are blurring. Um, we during one of the seminars at GTS. There was a gentleman who has basically for 18 years managed Barnes and Noble stores, right? Uh, I'm not sure why he was there. Uh, he said he wasn't in Barnes and Noble anymore, but there was a, a rather interesting discussion between what Barnes and Noble was trying to do. They simply do not have the space to dedicate to um, games like we do, right? I mean, and I know we think like, oh, they're huge, but their inventory is books. And even when you go in there, even in the stores that are making a big, the Barnes & Noble stores are making a big push into games, it's mostly, if you look at it, concentrate towards their educational games, the younger games kind of situation, you know what I mean, the six to eight-year-old. Um, so from their perspective, it's a matter of like, how do we stay relevant in this age of Amazon? Because the book market has been taking beatings, right? And it's they're exploring possible things. They are basically trying to get somewhere near where we are because we stay relevant regardless of internet or not um, you offer things that you can the internet is for the most part and I, again i do sales in both channels i don't i don't want to diss on my um internet um, um co-worker sorry um fellow retailers right um but it's it's mostly parasitical right i mean you have an established person and you're selling to that person. Um, you can put on a convention, you can sponsor things, but realistically speaking, uh, what's driving the new recruitment is the brick and mortar stores. And that's a, we do it through these services that you cannot really do anywhere else. And we do it in such unique ways, all of us, right? It could be because you're a coffee house selling coffee and you have board games and all of a sudden people start getting interested. It could be that you are you know, offering a, a system for people to train their 40K that they don't want. Um, it, it all works, <laughs> and hopefully it works well without, you know, stepping under people's toes, and it, it creates this ecosystem that creates customers and keeps us all alive, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's another uh, type of game club, too, we didn't really touch upon, and these are the officially sanctioned clubs that you see in universities. Uh, I know the University of Toronto has a huge magic uh, club. And um, that actually directly impacted my store. Um, I lost customers because they were sure. like getting product at cost and they were running their own events. And um, But, you know, that's probably overall, like you were saying, good for the overall economy that they're, they have this um, community right there at the university, where, which is a great recruitment 
kind of area, and um, they're probably bringing in more Magic players because of it. And hopefully it's they interesting. look for their their local game store, their friend-looking game store, and hopefully they, they find dueling grounds. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because here in the United States, actually, uh, both Wizards and like GW tend to send the clubs to us. They go partner with a store, see what you can work out with a oh, store. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go, you know, I get that a lot. It's like, hey, I want to start a game club. All right, yeah, we can get you a bit of a discount for your starting kind of like board games that you need for your club and things like that, you know. And it's always – you got to be careful because some of this – you want to start a game store uh, – sorry, a board game club or a magic club. I get a lot of that that – Maybe the intent is there, but then it never really finalizes, right? So I'm not going to really be engaging with all these people. But, you know, a couple that have done it, it's been successful and it's worked out for us. So um, I don't know if things work different in Canada as far as Wizards, but I'd be surprised if they didn't, like, go, well, have you talked to Dueling Rounds? See if you can do something with them. So, You know, it brings up something interesting, though. I've – this – was uh, not the only business I looked at opening. When I looked at opening business, I actually looked at a couple of things. I looked at a clothing store a little bit. Um, I've had a jewelry business before. There's not a big barrier to entry, and none of these distributors really provide any. Um, Some of the industries that I looked at, you had to have a business plan that said X, or you had to already be in business where you were doing X amount of dollars a year before you could bring in their product. And mm-hmm. you had to meet these requirements as far as, you know, what you were, how you were set up. You know, your retail space had to meet so many requirements. And in our industry, the most stringent requirements to set up an account is usually take a picture of your cash wrap, take a picture of the front of your store. And as long as both of those things exist, you're good to go. Um, and that's the most stringent. Some of them are like, yeah, send, send us an email. We'll, we'll get you a wholesale account. Sounds good. Um, I was even required to show EINs and sales tax licenses to some of the accounts that I've set up and some of the places that I've got set up because all they cared about was, was I willing to give them money? And it didn't even have to be, was I willing to give them lots of money? It was, was I willing to give them $100 a year? Sweet, here's your wholesale account. And it allows for this clubhouse, both the, you know, the university club to get wholesale product, but these little places that don't have a business plan, that don't understand what they're doing. And I think the reason a lot of these other industries have much more strict requirements is so that they don't have this duality that we have where somebody walks into the clubhouse and goes, oh, this is, yeah, I'm not going to a game store ever again. This this wasn't very pleasant. And then we've lost people out of the industry as potential customers that could have been converted into somebody that had fun playing these games and had a professional experience. And it's actually fairly systematic how little barrier to entry there is in a lot of ways. Sure. And that is to a certain extent changing. Um, again, not to harken back, but it is something that gets discussed a lot at GTS, right? What makes a game store? Who is allowed in GTS? Back to my sticking point of like, why are my customers here? Who's When, when I see 
um, an end user, right, like a, like an actual player versus Stoner wearing some Stoner's badge. It's kind of it's it's very disruptive to what we're doing there, which is trying to make our industry better, right? Um, so it is changing. Um, uh, the big one of the big things right now is this Asmodee North America. And for those of you who don't know, Asmodee North America is sort of this new organization that was founded as a merger between Days of Wonder, um, Fantasy Flight Games, and Asmodee. Um, from Europe um, into this big giant conglomerate. They just picked up Catan. They, they, are, they have Star Wars, right? So it's huge. But they've now reduced the number of distributors down to five uh, from the original 20 plus that they had. Um, they've done this in an attempt to try to curb some of this behavior. Because there's what you said, which is like, you can sign up. You don't even need to, some of them don't even require a business license or a picture. Just like, oh, sure, okay, I'll sell your product. Um, but the other problem is some of the distributors have back doors to the internet. So you're a distributor, you're getting better pricing, and you happen to have a website under a different name that sells at massive discounts, right? Um, so there are steps that are being done. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. And it's not that I want to stop people from entering this. I want people to enter this after careful thought and consideration of going, this is what I want to do to make a living. And in order to do that, I need to present myself in a certain way. And I need to do things in a certain way that is A, not toxic to the community, A, B, not toxic to um, the other stores around me, uh, and C, not toxic to the industry as a whole, right? Because uh, if you our talks at that industry, it won't be around in 20 years. And I've been doing it for 21 years. I'd like to do it for another 20 years, and then hopefully I'll retire. We'll see what happens. But you get what <laughs> I'm getting at? It's, it's, it's kind of like low barrier to entry right now is a big sticking point for the industry. Um, and, 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 and it's something that is changing, and hopefully it changes faster because there's more and more stores coming on board. It's great. It's awesome. There's a store in every neighborhood. Uh, the problem with that is if they're not good stores, they're not going to survive very long. And what the damage they do while they go out uh, is, is is really, really bad. So, Yeah, you shouldn't be going into this thinking it's like a hobby. <laughs> this is definitely a lot of hard work in a career. Or because, because Wayne makes a million dollars and Travis is driving in a limo, um, you're going to be able to do the same thing, right? I mean, it's... it's they're, it's tough, guys. It's tough. It's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it is it is hard, hard work. Uh, and, and and on top of that, it's it's no longer your hobby, right? It's something that you have to do. Yeah. And back to that grind, right? It's you will play you will play less games when you open a yes. game store. That's the first hard reality I, I came across. But uh, going back to the uh, limiting the distributors, uh, seeing the Asmodee merger uh, brought it from twenty distributors to five or whatever. Um, don't quote me that's on 20, actually, but it was it, it sure, was some yeah. number. I mean, yeah, I get it. But it's uh, this whole uh, idea. There's more and more game companies that are going exclusive with with distributors, um, which uh, I personally don't like. Um, I like to be able to buy, um, you know, Settlers of Catan, for example, from a number of different locations. Because if if you don't have more than one source for something, when that source is gone, then you're out of luck. When you have multiple distributors, um, you can put in multiple orders and, and see if they're even if they're short shipped. Um, you know, you order 10, you can only get five, which happens a lot with uh, one of our distributors that has a lot of exclusive stuff. The like Lion Rampant uh, here uh, in Hamilton, close to Toronto, they're exclusive with, with Fancy Flight. So, when the new Star Wars uh, X-Wing ships come out, you know, I put in my order. Sorry, guys. Uh, 
you know, I, I get uh, short shipped because there's so many other stores trying to order and this is the only only uh, place to get them and uh, they're just not able to make uh, meet the needs of everybody. Um, so there's there's certainly... Uh, John, you've got someone uh, knocking at your door. I Okay. <laughs> uh, excuse me for one second, guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, you can see John? You can see his uh, store? I'm, I'm in his shop right now. Oh, we're both at <laughs> the same place right the video, now. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely have a problem with this uh, exclusive distribution stuff, just because it does make it harder to get things. And when things run out, then there's uh, there's no distributor C, D, E, and F you can try. Well, exclusive is bad. You know, the the comic industry has to deal with that. We are limited to Diamond, who is owned by the same company that owns Alliance. And to see how much better Alliance is than Diamond, you know, it's it's clearly not just the company. It's, you know, when, when we have issues, we don't get to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Exclusive to one, uh, if, if it's a king-making decision, is problematic. Um, but having limited number of uh, distribution channels instead of a thousand having just a few and I've heard that Canada has fewer choices for most of these things anyway so you know if they get cut out a number then it causes issues but you know there are there are some distributors that cause more issues than they cause than they help they contribute to this uh, clubhouse mentality they're you know they make things they hold back good product so that they can allocate it later, so that they can make you jump through hoops. They backdoor it to the internet. If it's really hot, why even sell it to the stores? It's selling for over MSRP online. We yeah. will we're going to add to the scarcity by not giving it to the stores and putting it out on the internet directly ourselves and stuff. And you can't police that when there's too many distributors. So you've got to cut back the number of distributors to something that. You can police because these bigger companies do want to protect their value and they do want to protect the stores. You know, we talked about how this industry, we do work together um, a lot through things like GTS and the Gamma um, organization. They can't protect us if it's going through too many channels. And and it's definitely a situation for you in Canada, Wayne, because here actually a lot of the exclusives with Alliance, which – I'm very vocal about exclusives. I agree with you. I have a lot of accounts with a lot of different distributors because when product runs out, I need to be able to source it for as many. I've gone to the extent of literally going to Target when they had something so I can sell it to my customers and buy them out. Okay, I don't care. I mean, my customer is king. I will get it for them. But here we're seeing the opposite. They are actually disintegrating a lot of those exclusives because they weren't really doing what they were supposed to do, which was like, you know, try to help mitigate that. Now, I will give Asmodee credit for this, uh, uh, Fantasy Flight Games and, and Days of Wonder. And I was very vocal when Days of Wonder was one of the first ones to go exclusive through Alliance against it. But what they've done is at least given us a choice of five distributors versus going Tao shall order only from Alliance, right? Uh, or distributor B, C, or, which I think is really detrimental. I mean, would you imagine what would happen if we just went 
Travis is the only one that can sell X-Wing. Travis cannot sell it at whatever price he wants. If he doesn't like the way you smell, he will not sell to you. If uh, Travis likes somebody else better than you, that person will get more X-Wing than you, right? So, and, and to be fair, alliances really stepped up their games. They were the king of, this, of exclusives. They're going away from them. So they're much better distributed now than when they were to begin with these exclusives. But yes, some kind of Kirby needs to happen because Travis is right. There are some distributors that unfortunately don't play fair, don't play by the rules, and they really ruin things for all of us, everybody, themselves included in the long run, but, you know, right, well, Gamma is the organization, <laughs> yeah, Gamma is the organization, GTS is the trade show, Gamma trade show, right, but, um, so you join Gamma, you get the tickets to Origins, in case you want to go there too, and GTS, but um, if you're thinking about it, I believe they still have this, you can go in the first year without having a game store and that's your, your prospective game store you go there to learn and figure out if it's something you're going to do i think it's a reduced price i'm not 100 percent sure on that you'll find information on their website um but the flip side of that if you've been doing this if you're struggling definitely need to go if you're set in your ways and you're doing great i would say it's still a good thing to go because you will learn something that's going to make you more money it's going to at the bare minimum re-energize you and it's it's definitely worth it. Wayne, hopefully I see you there next year. Or maybe we meet yeah, in Reno in 2018. I'm definitely um, interested in going again just because of our conversation. And uh, also I'd just like to reiterate the point you made earlier, John, that I think is really important and I hadn't really thought of it like this either, but your local distributors will have open houses and they act as like little mini GTSs and um, I, I, I was going to a local distributor for their open house um, but uh, every time I'd go, I'd spend <laughs> way too much money, and um, so I, I kind of shied away from it. But uh, I think if I approach it in uh, in, a, in a way that you were describing, like as as if it's a, a GTS, um, and try and get stuff out of it that way, instead of focusing on uh, oh, this is my distributor, I'm supposed to buy stuff because I know that's what they want. They're holding the open house because they want you to buy stuff. But uh, if you can just hold that in check and just uh, go there for you know, concentrate more on the networking and uh, and talking to the uh, the the company reps that come in from uh, Paizo and and uh, Fancy Flight, etc. I think that uh, I'd get more out of it. So yeah, that was a good point. You know, we need to use every tool that we can to run better stores, <clears throat> unless we don't want a better store for whatever reason, which I can't imagine not wanting to make a better store, but. You you gotta use the tools, and this is a big tool. It's all it's an expensive tool. It's a difficult tool. I know there are a lot of shops that do it every few years or whatnot because, you know, the the cost to return ratio for them isn't worth showing up every single year. But it's definitely a tool that should be in everybody's, you know, everybody's arsenal. We have this chance to meet each other to exchange ideas, to meet publishers, to express our concerns, to give them feedback, to get feedback from them, hear their concerns about what we're doing, and make the industry, our stores, and everything in between better. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I also want to thank John Coviello, Wayne Middlestead, and Travis Perry for taking the time out of their day, sharing their insights into the game business with us. I think Travis's final words sum up the whole thing pretty well. If you have any questions or topics you think me and the guys should tackle, send them to me on Twitter. My handle is at Tom Traplin. 
Or if you just want to chat, Twitter is good for that too. Also, be sure to jump on Facebook and say hi to my esteemed co-hosts, like their pages, and show them some love. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening.